Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now I want to talk today about a theme that might seem a little unusual because it really isn't so much about doing ministry leadership as much as it is about shaping your thinking and your perspective and your approach as a ministry leader. I want to talk today about the importance of intaking secular media to shape your perspective and shape your uh, capacity to be effective as a Christian leader. Now, I want to quickly say I'm not talking about taking in secular ideas and somehow uh, baptizing them and using them in a Christian context. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about instead intaking secular media, meaning that you intake secular information for the purpose of making you more effective as a ministry leader. So let me see if I can talk a little bit about why this is important and what difference it makes for me. And then I want to model it for you by showing you how I might use one piece of secular media information that's recently come to me to shape me and help me understand more about how to be effective as a ministry leader. So the first thing I want to say is you you have to, of course, limit the intake of secular media that you allow. Now, you're going to limit it for a couple of reasons. Number one, and to me, most obviously, you have to limit the intake of secular media because there's just so much time. So you have to limit it to a manageable amount of time each day. Second, you want to limit the amount of social of um, secular media that you intake because, quite frankly, you don't want to be overwhelmed with the worldview that's being prop- propagated by what you're hearing. So you want to be careful on both time and content, or time and influence, I suppose I should say, on how you intake secular media. So how have I solved these problems? Well, the first thing I've done is I've uh, set up a news feed Uh, on my uh, tablet that gives me an access to secular media every day. Now, I subscribe to uh, a service that allows me to uh, go in and select newspapers and magazines that uh, give me the headlines from those in a condensed version every day. Now, you have to make some choices, and so I've made those choices. And you might say, oh, but I'll bet you picked the conservative choices, and I'll bet you picked those which have a favorability toward the Christian worldview. Well, wrong and wrong. I have instead uh, selected for my secular media intake a wide variety of inputs that really don't always represent a conservative or a Christian point of view. So, for example, on my news feed are newspapers like the New York Times, the L.A. Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and not one of those three would be a bastion of conservatism, believe you me. I also have the Wall Street Journal on the news feed because it does give me a different perspective as well. So those are some of the newspapers that I have that I receive information from on a regular basis. And then you pick out magazines like Time and Newsweek. Uh, U.S. News and World Report was one I've used in the past as well. Uh, But now I also want to get something from magazines like The Atlantic and Fast Company and some others like that, 
which are going to give me input from some very different perspectives uh, and maybe even from a wide variety of perspectives as well. And so I set up this newsfeed from about a dozen different sources that gathers headlines and organizes them around themes, and I can scan through them each day. Now, I don't spend more than probably about 20 minutes a day doing this. I'll usually uh, scan through these news feeds while I'm eating breakfast, and I scan through them again uh, during part of my lunch break. And I'm using that time to scan through these headlines, looking for stories that pique my interest, looking for stories that I think might have particular application to the work I'm doing, looking for stories that give me some insight along the way to make me a more effective ministry leader. Now, I skim headlines, occasionally then open stories and read the first few paragraphs, and rarely make it all the way through to one of those news stories. But sometimes I do find it to be so intriguing or so helpful, I find myself reading all the way through. So the way I've solved the problem of how much time and how much input so that I'm able to appropriately take in secular media without it overwhelming my schedule or overwhelming its influence in my life is to set up this kind of news feed which gives me this kind of information. Now, I know other people that like to also listen to uh, radio in their car and listen to podcasts as they're working out and uh, watch videos of different, uh, at different times and maybe even uh, use a lot of input from uh, media like television news and things like that. But I have found that those things just really don't work as well for me because all of those kinds of things just take too much time. I just don't have time to listen to secular podcasts, secular news programs, um, and have secular media input that takes uh, like a radio program or something like that that takes uh, you know 30 minutes to an hour to develop. I just simply don't have that kind of time. And so I prefer this news feed approach where I have a collection of newspapers and magazines that are summarized and the, highlight, uh, the headlines are fed to me on a daily basis. And I can scan those headlines, read a fair few paragraphs of a story, occasionally read a whole story, and by doing that, gain the kind of input I need to make me more effective in my work. Now, what kind of input do I need? Well, let me give you three ways that this kind of secular media input helps me as a Christian ministry leader. Uh, the first way is it keeps me in touch with issues that are important to people in the world in which I live that I'm trying to reach uh, with the gospel. It keeps me in touch with issues. Sometimes when I look at my newsfeed, I wonder, who really cares? Who really cares about this entertainer? Who really cares about this political uh, opinion? Who really cares about what happened in that shooting in that city hundreds of miles away from me? Who really cares? Well, someone does. Someone does. And the way I know that is because someone who has to sell advertising to support their uh, perspective and make their media channel available is wisely selecting the stories that they know the most of the people out there are the most interested in reading so that they can build the largest audience possible and make the most advertising money available. You get the idea. So when I'm reading through a secular news feed, frankly, sometimes it's easy for me to just say, you've got to be kidding me. Who cares? In fact, I think I could go the rest of my life and never hear the word Kardashian again 
and be quite satisfied. There's just some things that I can't imagine anyone would really care about. And yet, it's out there. And so I want to know what's going on, not just in the entertainment area, of course, but in that area as well, because I do want to know the issues people are thinking about. And not only that, I want to know the perspectives on the issues so that I'm reading what people are saying and thinking and doing that may really disagree with what I say, think, and do, but yet gives me an insight into who they are, what they're thinking, and why they're considering or why they're coming from that perspective. And so the first way that in taking secular media helps me is it keeps me in touch with issues, helps me to understand what uh, people are thinking about, what they're talking about, what they're reading about, helps me to understand the perspectives they have on certain issues so that I understand how people around me are thinking. And it really informs me particularly as I think about Well, let me save that for a little later in the podcast. Uh, I guess I can go ahead now. It really informs me as I think about how to communicate more effectively in secular contexts and in preaching, especially in places where there's large numbers of non-Christians, this kind of impact really helps me in that regard particularly. So it helps me stay in touch with issues. Second, a second way that in taking secular media helps me is it helps keep me up to speed on vocabulary. You know, one of the hard things about getting older is that people sometimes use words or phrases, and I just don't know what they mean. I've had to find something on my uh, internet search called Urban Dictionary, and I'll confess that I don't always understand the lingo that I hear in uh, contemporary music, for example, or sometimes I don't understand what an entertainer means when they say certain things, or even a politician throwing out a certain phrase. I have to go look that up. Like, for example, in our world lately, there's this phrase that someone is a Karen. What does that mean? Or something is done called gaslighting, and I'd have to go look that up. You hear these phrases, these vocabularies, these words, and you wonder, what does that mean? You have to go find out. But unless you know what words mean, you may miss something on the vocabulary that's being used today and what it means. I know that recently my wife actually said something and two of my children's heads snapped around and they said, Mom, uh, you probably don't want to be saying that uh, out in front of people. And my wife smiled and said, oh, is is that offensive? And my children looked at each other and looked at their mother and said, Mom, just don't say that out in front of people. Well, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, where you just have to know the vocabulary, what's going on, what's being said, and what it means. So it helps keep me up to speed on vocabulary and helps me be a better communicator in that regard. Well, a third reason that intaking secular media helps me as a Christian ministry leader is it helps me understand the popular solutions being proposed to common problems today. So, for example, I read an an article about uh, workplace trauma, and I read what secularists are saying will solve that. I read an article about parenting dilemmas during the pandemic, and I read secular solutions to those difficulties. I read a secular article about um, 
Things like minimum wage laws or about other kinds of HR-related laws and how they're changing, and I read what secularists are saying about what's driving those changes. It's important to read and understand the solutions that are being proposed to problems that we're facing in our world. So when you see something like a police shooting or an instance of police misconduct and you read about the solutions being proposed to such things, it helps you understand the mentality of people and what they're proposing are the solutions to pressing problems. So here's at least three reasons why intaking secular media I think is important for me as a Christian ministry leader. First, it helps keep me in touch with issues. Second, it helps me keep me up to speed on vocabulary. And third, it helps me understand solutions that are being proposed by secular sources and what those mean in our world today. Now, you may think, yeah, but isn't there something really offensive about taking in social media? Doesn't it ever make you, or secular media, doesn't it ever make you angry or frustrated? Doesn't it ever just rile you up and cause you to want to lash out and, and, and resist? What? Yeah, it does all that. It does all that. Listen, sometimes the issues that are raised in secular sources are very offensive to me. Very offensive. Sometimes the vocabulary that's used in secular sources is really unsettling. I'm going to reference something here in just a few minutes in the podcast. I won't even be able to read the whole article because there's words in it that I wouldn't use out in public. Vocabulary can be unsettling. And then third, the solutions. These popular solutions I mentioned, I find them frustrating and sometimes maddening. Because I think, how could anyone really believe that? How could anyone think that would actually work to make a legitimate difference in our world? How can anyone be that blind, that ignorant, that unthinking, if you will? Those thoughts do go through my mind. So here's what I've said so far. I intake secular media to make me a better Christian leader. I do it with a news feed, which gives me headlines daily from about a dozen sources, most of which would not be from a perspective that I would support politically or philosophically. I do this intake of secular media in a limited amount of time every day so that three things can happen for me. I can understand the issues, I can stay up to speed on vocabulary, and I can consider the possible solutions, the popular solutions that are being proposed for pressing problems today. Yes, I find that I sometimes find those issues offensive. I oftentimes find the vocabulary unsettling, and sometimes the solutions proposed are maddening. But nevertheless, I still find value in doing this. Now, how do I find value? Because these things that I've just described help shape the way I communicate, the way I prioritize, and the way that I try to impact the world in which I live. So, for example, I want to know the issues that are important so that I can address those issues. I want to know the vocabulary that's being used so that, unless it's offensive in some way, I can use that same vocabulary to communicate to my hearers. And I want to know the solutions 
not because I want to propose those same solutions be Christianized in some weird way, but so that I can propose better solutions in contrast to the bad solutions and give people real answers and real hope in real time about the issues of the day. Now, let me see if I can model this a little bit and show you what I mean. I recently had a headline come across my newsfeed which said this, why people are acting so weird. Man, that caught my eye. Why people are acting so weird. I thought when I saw that headline, man, that is a pressing issue today. It uses vocabulary that really connects with me and with the culture. And I expect, since the word why is in the title, it's going to propose some solutions that I'd like to see so that I'll know what people are thinking today about solving this problem of why people are acting so weird. Now, the article itself starts by describing some of the weirdness that's been going on in our culture lately. And, of course, you might know what's the lead sentence in the story. Well, it's, of course, the recent incident at the Academy Awards where Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. That was weird. And then beyond that, they go into other examples. Uh, For example, the things that are going on on airlines these days with the rise of uh, outrageous behavior by passengers, frustrated by mask mandates and other issues like that. But the article also references uh, uh, road rage and other kinds of things that are going on that are just really escalating during the pandemic. So, In the context of introducing the idea why people are acting so weird, they mention some of these kinds of things that I've been mentioning so far. But then the meat of the article lays out some reasons why people are acting so weird and some possible solutions to the situation. Now, this is where the input becomes very important to me because I want to hear the issues that are being raised And I want to see the solutions that are being proposed. And when possible, I want to use the vocabulary that's being used. But I'm going to help you to understand now as I look at this article that the problems that they identify as the cause and the solutions they propose are just really inadequate. But nevertheless, this is what a leading magazine with a relatively uh, well-educated readership would be looking to for solutions to this problem of why people are acting so weird. So the first solution, or excuse me, the first reason that they proposed is we're all stressed out. We're all stressed out. And then they describe solutions to the stress, which frankly were humanistic and, inappro- and, and inadequate for solving the real dilemma. We're all stressed out. Now, is there a heightened level of stress right now in our world? Probably so. Pandemic is still lingering in our lives in terms of its effect. Inflation is really been, has really been high, and because of that, buying power is down. There's a little bit of uncertainty in the culture economically right now as people are wondering where all this is headed and what it all means. So, yes, we are stressed out. 
That may be true. But the secular solutions of taking more time for yourself, making sure you get more sleep, these kinds of solutions are a little bit cold and, frankly, inadequate. But the Bible has solutions to stress. I just give you two. The Bible speaks often about the importance of prayer as an anxiety medication. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer, the Bible says, and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so if I were preaching right now about pressing issues in our culture, I might say people are acting weird. And one of the reasons they're acting weird is because, quite frankly, we're all stressed out. And I might even list some of the stressors from this article that have caused us to act out in the way that we're doing. But when it comes to solutions, I want to go straight to the Bible to find those. And the first one, stress is alleviated through prayer. Another one, stress is alleviated through meditation on God's word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, free from anxiety, free from worry, free from inner turmoil. The truth will set you free. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Meditating on the love of God eliminates fear in your life and gives you confidence to replace it. So people are acting weird. I'll give you that. Great headline. Good examples of what we mean by that found in the article. First reason that we're behaving this way is we're stressed out. So far, so good. But the solutions they propose, not so much. But it does give me the motivation to speak to a pressing issue from a biblical perspective and say, look, this is what's going on in our world, and this is a solution that God offers us in the moment. Well, in this same article, the second reason that the article says people are acting so weird, get this, people are drinking more. Now, I found that to be really interesting that a secular magazine where I would predict almost everyone there goes out for drinks after work most days, would say that a problem, a problem that's causing us to act more weird is that we're drinking too much. Now, you may say, well, that really doesn't have a lot of application for me because I don't drink at all. And you say, well, you work at a seminary, Jeff, where you actually have a seminary policy that Prohibits the use of alcohol by employees and students. Yeah, we, we get all that. I get all that. And you may say, and in my church, why well, I know that we just don't have that many people drinking. You are, you are not kidding me, are you? You really don't think the people in your church drink? I'm assuring you they do. In fact, more of them are drinking alcohol than you might know. I think one of the delicate issues to raise right now in churches is to talk about the increase of drinking that's gone on because of the pandemic. This article, for example, has a number of statistics in it about the increase of alcohol sales and the increase of alcohol consumption and the increase of alcohol treatment programs and the demand for those all three during the pandemic. You can't hide from that and say it's not going on in our church or our community. And so this secular magazine 
with a lot of people who are employed by it that drink, and writing to a culture, again, of better educated people who most likely find themselves with a glass of wine in their hand in the evening, are being told that one of the reasons that we're acting so weird in our culture right now is because we're just drinking too much. And even if secularists are saying this, what does that say to us? If they're willing to admit that, what does that say to us about the the dangers and the risks and the prevalence of self-medication with alcohol and perhaps even other drugs of choice? So this informs me as a Christian leader, that I need to speak up about this issue and not make some weird assumption that no one around me is drinking, but simply raise the issue that the pandemic has caused there to be a rise in alcohol sales and consumption and the, seek- and the seeking of alcohol treatment. And since all of that is on the rise, it tells us that alcohol is more of a problem in our culture than it's ever been and gives us the opportunity to speak to speak into this issue. And you may say, well, I don't really want to speak into this issue on, the fra- uh, on abstinence because I don't think abstinence is the only biblical position. Well, you know, in another podcast, we could argue that point. But right now, I'm not arguing that point. I'm just simply telling you that secularists are telling us that people are drinking more and it's a problem right now. And for you to deny that is to not deny some pretty strong reality about what needs to be voiced right now in our culture. Then the article goes on and gives a third reason, a third reason why we're acting so weird right now. And that is, it says, because we're social beings and isolation is changing us. Now, uh, this article uh, makes a really interesting point about mask wearing and how it has enhanced isolation. Now, the article's not about pro-mask, anti-mask. It's not anything like that. It's just simply saying that when you wear a mask, people can't see your smile. You know, I've experienced this quite a lot on airplanes. I'm back to flying now on a regular basis, and when I step on the plane, I usually smile at the flight attendant and say thank you or something about their service or about their, uh, uh, about their work that they're doing on my behalf. Because I fly all the time, I know how hard they work and how un- and how difficult some passengers can be, and so I try to be nicer and 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 reflect that. But I often get on the plane and I look at them and they can't see if I'm smiling or not. And so when I say something, I have to be I have to make sure that I say it with a smile, and then I use verbiage that really communicates uh, something positive. No sarcasm, no you know, no none of that kind of facial expression humor that we can all use with each other. And so this article is making the point that. Wearing masks has contributed to our isolation because it stripped us of our facial expressions and the capacity for nonverbal communication uh, with each other and made us even more isolated than we were just because we were alone or separated from others during the pandemic. Now, again, I'm not arguing masks or no masks. That's not the point. The point is that we've been through a period of profound isolation, and even when we're in public, like a place like an airplane, that we still have to wear a mask. Even in those contexts, we're isolated. Man, if this is a problem that the secular culture is identifying, we should be the place that has the solution, and we should be trumpeting it from every pulpit and every uh, point of view. We have the answer to this one. It's called Christian fellowship. We have each other. Listen, 
Fellowship matters so much that typically when a church builds a new facility, it builds a worship center first, and then second, it builds a fellowship hall. Why? Because we want to build a place to gather, to gather to eat, to gather to talk, to gather to study, to gather to pray, to gather. And so this is a tremendous time to be preaching, teaching, modeling, and living the message of Christian fellowship, talking about the dynamic of relationship in church, the dynamic of relationship in family, the dynamic of relationship among friends who follow Jesus together. This is the solution to this third particular problem. So what I've tried to show you in this last part of the podcast is an example of how I would use a secular media input to shape my thinking, my communication, and even my messaging as a Christian leader. I take this input because it keeps me in touch with issues, up to speed on vocabulary, and gives me some proposed solutions from a secular point of view. I take that input. I look at an article like this, why people are acting so weird, and I see these reasons proposed. We're acting so weird, the article says, because we are all stressed out. We're acting so weird because we're drinking too much. And we're acting so weird because we're isolated from each other. And I think about not the solutions they propose in this article, which frankly are vapid and shallow and unmeaningful to me. But I look at the solutions they propose and I say, while those are inadequate, what are my solutions? And I think the Christian message has solutions about stress and solutions about drinking and solutions about isolation. And we can communicate those solutions. And when we communicate on those issues, I think it enhances the capacity we have to know that we are speaking about issues that really matter to people because secular press is not wasting time, energy, and money producing things that no one wants to read because their livelihood depends on it. So when we receive information like this, we then go out and speak about it, communicate about it, write about it. Let it be known that we have solutions to the problems we're seeing. And by using our worldview answers, we address these issues more adequately. Well, that's how I use secular media input to shape, improve, and hopefully make my Christian ministry more effective. Put this into practice as you lead on.